Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King one tomato at a time. <laughs> I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us again today, we have Rachel Gatlin. Hi. Hello. Sorry, that caught oh. me off guard. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> Just, We're here, fam. We've reached the tomatoes. We Yay. <laughs> we're We're here. Tomatoes. It only came up every time we mentioned Denethor. Every single time. (laughs) Um, So today we're talking about minute um, 93. It's the little things, you guys. Um, (laughs) It starts with uh, Pippin finishing his line from yesterday, evil times. Um, And it ends with Pippin um, singing Mist and Shadow cloud and he finishes the line tomorrow yeah so sad this song is longer than a minute yeah this is my favorite piece of music in the entire trilogy and i think i think my favorite scene Mm, yeah um this this is filmmaking right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's a study in like tension and like yes really raw emotion and like not much is happening mm-hmm. but but I, so much is happening yeah yeah i remember just... getting very emotional the first time i saw this mm-hmm. because it's like it's sort of a quiet moment right before like absolute chaos yeah right uh, it has a lot in common with my favorite scene in the trilogy, hmm. which is Theoden getting armored up in the where's the horse and the rider thing. Yeah. So, like, I also love this for a lot of the same reasons that I love that. Yeah. See, but your favorite character is Theoden and my favorite character is Pippin. Right. So like- <laughs> and it's weird that they both have this, like, these two characters who in a lot of ways, like, couldn't really be more different from each other. Mm-hmm both have this like really sobering somber pessimistic basically a monologue even though it's a song right on the eve of a terrible battle when all hell's about to break loose yeah well i mean what more is a song than a poem put to music right exactly but people don't usually use the term monologue to describe a song yeah but that's really what it is especially in in a narrative where there isn't stuff like this, mm-hmm. where there aren't characters singing uh, stuff that imparts like meaning onto the onto what's happening in the in the movie, because all the other songs that we hear someone sing, um, in Aragorn's case, it's like referential to past lore and is about him personally and not really about the narrative. Yeah, uh, and it's supposed to be a private moment that no one else really hears. Frodo just happens to be awake. And then the other songs that, like, Pippin and Mary sing don't really have to do with anything. They're just illustrations of how hobbits behave right. and not really important to the narrative at all. Whereas this song has things to say with narrative weight, because even though it's a song that's disconnected from the events that are happening, 
it's about these kind of events. Mm -hmm. So it actually has narrative weight in a way that no other song sung in movie has. That makes sense. Yeah. I understand. Like this and uh, Where's the Horse and the Rider is a poem. Right. So like it, it does share that sort of, it also shares that structure with this. But that is taken from the book directly. Right. And this is this is like original content. Denethor does ask Pippin to sing him a song in the book. Yeah. But it's not this. Right. Uh, and this this song came about because uh, f- I think it's Philippa went out to karaoke with Billy and Dom and Liv. And it was just like, that wow. That sounds... Okay, I, I hate karaoke, but like that sounds like a primo time. Yeah, that sounds like a lot like, of fun. She came back the next day and she was just like, guys... <laughs> Billy needs to sing. Billy Boyd can sing. In this movie. <laughs> yeah, I was so surprised at how sweet and pretty his voice is. Like it, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's great. So, uh, Philippa wrote the lyrics and Billy Boyd composed the tune. Hmm. See, I thought this was ripped out of the book, like, like bits of poems. I didn't know it was an original creation. I think it, it might have aspects of of bits from the book but Mm. i'm pretty sure like as it stands it's like yeah this is this is for the movie Hmm. i'm fairly certain at least philippa says she wrote the lyrics in the commentary i I don't know i trust the writer of the movie right (laughs) or one of them she she went out to karaoke with billy and dom and Liv, and was just like guys that's amazing (laughs) billy boyd has an incredible voice (laughs) (laughs) apparently um after they recorded this, after they filmed this, uh, Dominic Monaghan in, ran into one of the 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 continuity person. Her name was uh, Victoria. I didn't write down her name, but it was Victoria something. She's one of the she's the continuity person on the movie. And uh, Dominic Monaghan asked her how it went filming the song, and she said, "Oh, I cried." Aww, it's very moving. Yeah, it reminds me not to get back on game of thrones but it reminds me of that moment where um oh crap what's his name um the 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 little the the, the dude right yeah the um, dude <sighs> the, the dude like the kid uh podrick 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 yeah. song when he sings jenny of old stones like it's got a very similar feeling to it i think that was intentional mm. on the on uh game of thrones parts like they were referencing this scene because that happens on the eve of a big battle too right 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 does that happen before the uh blackwater bay no it happens before the battle of winterfell when the night king is about to wreck wreck things up see i i've never watched a single episode of game of thrones oh okay I didn't. I didn't watch season eight, but I was like gleefully following all of the nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so, there was I a know lot. Way of too much about. But it. Yeah, for, for, con- have, for context, for context, there everyone is at Winterfell waiting for this big hullabaloo battle, and Podrick mm-hmm. sings this really beautiful song to kind of rally everyone and you know boost morale. And it's it's very much a reference to Pippin's song. I think I read somewhere that they were like, yeah, we use that as a, as inspiration or something. Like even the arrangement of Jenny of Old Stones is similar to this arrangement. That's interesting. Because mm. I would not call this arrangement rallying in any way. No, not rallying, but like, that's, I, I shouldn't have said it that way, but it, it's like 
this emotional quiet moment before right. like i said before mm-hmm. chaos yeah I, I just i find this whole i find this sequence really really fascinating and moving and i i said yesterday i think that there's the way that the very beginning of this minute is framed, I think it shows a certain amount of nobility still in Denethor. Because he, he asks, why would your songs be unfit for my halls? Right. Like, why would it matter what songs your people sing? Like, why would it be unfit for this place? Yeah. And I, I think that's interesting because I think it shows a certain amount of respect that still exists in Denethor. Because I don't think he's trying to get... Pippin to sing I don't think that's meant to like mock him or anything and I don't think he's trying to get Pippin to sing for any real like I don't think he's trying to get at him at all it, it's interesting like I'm not sure exactly why he asked him to sing mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't seem like it's out of any sort of like uh, malice or even it doesn't even really feel self-serving to me I'm like trying to reconcile that though with um, the line from a couple weeks ago where he's just like a witless halfling. Hmm. Yeah. Talking about, I mean, like talking about the ring, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like there's, there's a lot of conflicting things in the Denethor character and performance, but it's not, um, somehow it all works. Yeah. Well, cause he's supposed to be mad. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so this is like a moment of, of clarity for him. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, maybe you can read this kind of moment of clarity and this sort of the expression on his face as him kind of realizing he sent his last son to die. Because <laughs> this is, this might be somewhat sobering for him, too. I don't know that he, um... Because his, his expression is, like, dead. I don't know that he's regretful, though. More resigned. Also, he eats, like... I don't, I don't know. Like we've, we've like joked about him eating this entire podcast, but, um, who eats like this? Right. A raccoon. (laughs) Yes. But I can't say I've ever seen someone like take a little nibble out of a cherry tomato like that. Like you eat the Uh whole thing, Mm -hmm. pop it in your mouth. It's a nice little snack. He's so, uh, Peter Jackson shed some light on this in the commentary. Mm. The point of showing Denethor eating here is to represent the violence we're about to not see. Ah. That makes sense. So we're seeing Denethor eat kind of viscerally to make us uncomfortable knowing the kind of violence that's about to be done to these men and horses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we don't see it. Because that becomes apparent, um, like, towards the end of the minute where he, like, snaps the chicken wing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ugh. Exactly. So, yeah. like, that's what's going on here. And it's supposed to feel kind of vile and selfish mm-hmm. that this guy is eating while these people are out there dying. Dying, yeah. But it's it doesn't necessarily feel that way to me sometimes. I think it Be- does. Denethor's expression near the end, where you're looking straight at him instead of from the side, is in like... In the minute or towards the end of the scene? In this, in this minute. Okay. Because there's the, there's the shot of him from in front, where you're just looking directly at his face. Mm-hmm. And his expression is not, uh, it doesn't seem angry, doesn't, it seems maybe a little sad, but not in like a mournful way. And he just kind of looks resigned and a little like dead inside, <laughs> <laughs> like ki- almost emotionless. Yeah. It's so weird 
because if this is supposed to be a juxtaposition with like the violence that we're not seeing, the fact that he's so like um desensitized or like uh distanced from like what's going on around him mm-hmm. is so jarring, but it doesn't make the scene feel necessarily like selfish to me because he seems so emotionally distant. Mhm. I think that the fact that he is emotionally distant is what's supposed to be selfish. Because, I think he's just because, beaten. Because like you said, he just sent out his like surviving son to go die. Right. And I think he realizes that. Like, I think in moments when Denethor is alone, he kind of realizes what he's doing. But every time he has to like put on a front and be the guy in charge, he just kind of loses himself in this madness that's been built through exposure to the Palantir. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this real like tragedy in the way that John Noble portrays Denethor. And I think that this expression kind of sums a lot of it up for me. Mm. It's really like, it's really weird in a really, and it's really intense in a subdued way. Like it really, it really gets me somehow. Like it just, (laughs) I don't know. What do you think, Rachel? Sorry, I was lost in a Vanity Fair article, kind of going back to my whole um, Game of Thrones comparison to this moment. Um, Uh Remind me to share it with you. I was going to read part of it, but it's too long. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's just too long and I don't feel like reading. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Denethor, he's such a complicated character. Like, I, I don't know what's going on in his head. Either he doesn't give a single F about what's going on or he realizes like, oh, this is bad. I'm just going to sloppily eat this tomato. And Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there are times where it seems like he cares and then times where he he just doesn't mm-hmm. care what's happening. And he's probably pretty dead inside now that his favorite son is dead and he might have just sent his other one to to die as well. I don't know. Yeah. I just, there there's just so much going on in John Noble's performance as Denethor. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so hard to read everything. It's so hard to read what he's going for in so many scenes. And I think that's really to the benefit of the character, the character yeah. and kind of the, the idea that he's, he's gone crazy. Right. But the way that John Noble has kind of decided to play it is not the madness of someone who's just kind of lost all sense of what's going on. But to me, it feels it's played more like just the depths of depression right? where he lashes out at things that challenge him when he's alone. He does nothing but sit here in silence and grief. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit about like someone with uh, dementia or Alzheimer's, how they like kind of react to the world around them mm-hmm. because yeah. like they'll have like moments of clarity where they like know what's going on and they know like who they are and like yeah, who's around yeah, yeah. them. And then there's just, like, other times where they're just, like, lashing out at everything because yeah. they're, you know, scared and they don't know what's going on. Mm. Yeah. 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 So I'm not saying that he's going for that specifically, but that's just what his performance reminds me of. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it works. It, it it really... Everything that John Noble does in this performance leading up to uh, the the stuff in the with the funeral pyre... Uh-huh. It all just kind of works and it leads up to that in a way that feels like satisfying mm-hmm. when it ends. So like, I don't know, there, there's just too much, there's just too much to to just kind of really dig into with Denethor kind of, 
you could just talk about it for an hour. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of intimidating, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> John John Noble does so much acting with so little expression; it's kind of incredible. Yeah, like he's he can say so much with just like a neutral expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he like he carries so much in his like slumped over posture too, and like yeah, I don't know, like the way he like nibbles on his bread, bread, like yeah, that's that's like a raccoon, but like <laughs> it's it's so weird. <laughs> I'm like now, hung up on his like weird eating. Now I want to see someone redraw this scene, but Denethor is a raccoon <laughs> <laughs> with the wig and like the robe. It's like three raccoons in <laughs> 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 And Pippin is still singing, and there's like all these raccoons on the table. <laughs> it's just like that's weird. <laughs> and like no one talks about how Lord Denethor is just three raccoons. <laughs> oh no we don't talk about that like this entire trilogy remains unchanged but Mm -hmm. Denethor's three raccoons in a trench coat yes Yes. excellent perfect uh I do have just another quick note about uh David Wenham apparently him and his horse did not get along very well oh and he was not great at managing his horse I can kind of tell the horse looks a little um unimpressed when it's Uh, doing this I don't stuff. know if it's a joke or if it's true, but he mentions in the commentary that he talked to the horse master about it, and the horse master was like, oh, we only paid $200 for that horse. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, ah, Faramir getting shafted again. Oh, no. <laughs> That's so funny. Here's a horse for the worthless son of Gondor. <laughs> right. <laughs> and apparently when they were filming this charge from the side, like, they did it a couple times, and David was just like, oh, can we take a look at it? Can we see if it's good? And the, the the people running the unit were just like, oh, yeah, it was the camera was on you the whole time. We got some great shots. And David wanted to watch it back. And he watched it back. And he's just like, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so they did it again. Oh, my God. That's so funny. It's just Faramir cannot win. <laughs> Apparently. Well, art imitates life, right? <laughs> they probably should have gotten him a better horse. but <laughs> Right? Because didn't um, Vigo get, like, the best horse and, like, he took it home or something yeah he like adopted the horse of course yeah. he got the best horse he's Aragorn. he's, Aragorn. he's Vigo. <laughs> <laughs> although ian mckellen got the prettiest horse he, yeah yes. that, that horse was beautiful all these horses are beautiful also in some ways i bet the the horse that is Shadowfax probably is the best horse because it also is so comfortable with bareback riding all the time yeah and you know horses don't always like that horses are very temperamental they're so pretty though yeah I know why. Like, did he have experience horseback yeah. riding? Yeah, like, some he said he he done it. He never he's in the commentary mentions it's not like a hobby, but like he's done it for other movies yeah. and stuff. So he had just, experience that's doing just it. Cruel to like put you on a horse that's yeah. not behaving well. <laughs> it just didn't like to listen to him. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> it knew. Yeah, Faramir. That's funny. No way. <laughs> that's like this this cat I knew. It loved its family but like if anyone outside of the family came in it turned into a demon and would like bite people and then the family was like oh he's never like this he's i'm like he's been like this every time i've been here like, that's so funny your cat is I knew evil a cat like that too. <laughs> i knew a cat like that too and i stayed at that house for like a week mm-hmm. and then the cat after that was fine with me forever oh it earned your mm. I, I woke up in the morning with that cat on my chest and i was just like oh god is it gonna hurt me <laughs> 
I did that with a dog one time. She was real skittish, and I kept just, like, placing a treat next to her every time I went over. And, like, here's another treat. Here's another treat. And then she was my best friend. Aw. Yeah. She would, like, snuggle up next to me, and, like, I was the only one she really liked. I miss that dog. Dogs are so good. Dogs are great. Dogs are better than people. Yes. Yes. Especially Denivor. (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, trashed here. (laughs) Well, he's three raccoons. We've established this. (laughs) That's true. But raccoons are cute in, like, a a weird way. I, I love raccoons. They're one Me of my too. favorite animals. I think they're weird adorable. Weird little chubby burglars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't get past the fact that they have, like, weird little grabby hands. Yeah. But that means they can hug you like a person. Oh. You know who else can hug me like a person? A person. A person. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why I like the red panda more, because they're like raccoons, but they're cuter. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think oh, raccoons yes. are cuter. The red panda is adorable. A red a red a red panda is just a fox painted like a raccoon. <laughs> and that's okay. I'll take it. <laughs> I think that's the episode. Yeah. No. I yep. don't know. Denethor's so intimidating. We'll we'll yeah. talk more about him throughout yeah. the rest of the We're all, we're going to always talk more about Denethor. Yeah. Um but uh, we're all from the website duelinggenre.com. Thank you Rachel for joining us this week. You're very welcome. Um, check out some of the other dueling genre movies by Minute Podcasts, um, such as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, of which Rachel is one of the hosts. Yep. Um, we have, what, what do we have? Um, Cornetto Minute's coming back soon, um, with their third movie. Um, Spider-Man Minute just wrapped. Uh, there's a lot more. Ferris Bueller's Minute Off, which we never, like, pimped because it was, like, forever ago but if you like if you like that movie it's all done so yeah listen to that you can um, binge the whole thing yeah that was a that was a fun movie to guest on yeah i guessed it uh during the ch- the end of the big chase at the end of the movie Ooh, that's the best. when the principal shows up at his house that's the part of the movie <laughs> I, guess, you know? I think i remember hearing that guy's like a total pervert though yeah i didn't know that until i recorded those minutes yeah oh, yeah no. yeah he got busted for some disgusting stuff if i remember yeah, correctly no. yeah yeah i like made a comment on minute about like this guy just seeming like such a sleaze and gary was like actually oh yeah. no. <laughs> well actually oh, God. and he's like we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet <laughs> but this is a good time to oh god <laughs> oh no yeah um but yeah thanks for listening and we'll be back tomorrow with minute 94 bye bye, bye.